0: Well, I need four or five volunteers uh, to start the message today. So, I need four or five happy, smiling, adventurous. All right, one, two, come on, three, two more. You can do it. Oh, come on. See, then I got to start picking on people. Oh, I got one there. There. All right, come right up on stage. Now the fifth person's like, no way, no, I'm not coming. Come on. One more, one more. Oh, come on. Oh, there we are. All right, there we go. We've got five people. Now, how many of you have ever participated in a white elephant gift exchange? All right, if you haven't, I'm going to read you the rules, because that's what we're about to do. All right. It says, person one chooses a gift and opens it. That'd be the first person, as we're just we're going to go in this order. First person chooses a gift and opens it. Person two has a choice. They can either take that gift. If what they got is something they would like, they can take it. Or they can choose to open another mysterious present. If your gift is taken, so if person 1's gift or anywhere along is taken, then they get to choose another unopened gift, all right? And we will continue until everyone has a gift. Sound good? All right. So, you're first. Come up, pick one of these gifts here, open it, and we got to tell everybody what you got. All right, she's a firm believer that good things come in small packages, <laughs> Okay, she went for the smallest one. Open it up. What'd you get? Where do you see that? Oh, you can tear it. Just go for it. It doesn't have to be neat. Battery. Hey, hey, double A batteries. Woo-hoo. All right, everybody can use that. All right, now you go ahead. Stand, stand right here. Now you might have a need for those batteries, or. You can go for a mystery gift. I'll go for that. All right, I'm going to go for it. go for it. Can I shake? It? Oh, no, just oh. grab one, go. Come on. I don't want to take the whole day deciding <laughs> the whole evening deciding what to get here. Well, I don't think that's what it is. I think you're going to have to open the box, yeah. Yeah, open the box, see what you got. They taped the box. A, a set of measuring cups. Were you wishing you went for the batteries? <laughs> All right. Step on over. You're up. Do you, want, do you want measuring cups or batteries? You guys can be salesmen, by the way, if you're hoping that you can try for something else. No, you're going to go for this one? Yeah. Another believer in small good things come in small packages. All right. He needed this. This he needed it. Tape. Scotch tape for for the presents you haven't wrapped yet, right? Right. I'm one of those people that tape it down so hard that people
1: are like, "Really?" <laughs> okay.
0: All right, you're up. Tape. These are made by measuring cups. Betty Crocker. Betty Crocker measuring cups or batteries. All right, he's going for the mystery. All right, I think that that's another open the box. <clears throat> yeah. Here. A set of chip clips. So the bag. All right. Three chip clips. All right. Chip clips. Scotch tape. Measuring cups or double A batteries. No, all for the mystery. Nothing is worth. Okay. See, everyone figures there's a trick to this, so someone thinks there's going to be like a $100 bill in one of these. There's not. All right, she got breakfast cereal. All right. Go ahead. I won't make you stand up the whole time, but we are going to reference this as we keep going. You can go sit down and you can take your gifts with you. All right. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse six says, "And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe two things: that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him." So, I think it's it's easy for us to say, "Yeah, I know." In order to in order to please God, I've got to have faith. Because we, we assign faith this, this, as this like mysterious Christian thing that I need, but we oftentimes don't consider what it actually looks like. I need to have faith, but he says, I'll tell you what you need to have faith in. He says, first you have to have faith in me, God says, that I exist. And then he says, if you don't believe, I will diligently reward you, then you can't please me. What does that mean? So, when, you're, when when these people came up, they didn't know what kind of gift they were going to get. I thought about buying, I went to the dollar store for all of that, by the way, and, and they had toilet plungers, they had a few other things, and I thought about getting those, and... But I, but then I thought, well, I wanted to I wanted to inspire some exchanging. I wanted some people to be pulling around. Everybody was just so enamored with what might be that, that they didn't want any of that. But God says that in order to please him, we have to know that whatever it is that God gave us, it is good. It is good. When we look at this gift and I purposely had one left over because God says if you to please me you need to understand that I give good gifts I give good gifts I I'll never forget visiting the hospital and talking to a friend who is going through a difficult time thought God had sent him that sickness. And when we read through the scripture, and I went to James chapter 1 through 17, or verse 17, and it says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And to see the light in his eyes, when he realized, wait a minute, you mean the bad things in my life didn't get sent to me? by god see faith is confidence in what is unseen the bible says faith is the substance or the hope of things unseen if i sit in a chair i have faith that the legs aren't going to break when i put all of my weight on it i have a expectation and a confidence My faith in God needs to be an expectation and a confidence that He exists, but also that what is coming from Him is good. It's not a mystery. When I was in Bible school, we used to say all the time, the church where I was at and and a few other churches I visited would say this, and maybe you've been there, so I'll I'll test the audience here. God is good, and all the time, God is good. You know it. You know it. God is good. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 25 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. What do you know? That you will receive a reward, an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. When I go to work... And I do my best, God says, you're doing it because you understand that everything you do is unto the Lord, and He will reward you. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking about uh, my kids and the different things that I want them to, to grow up with. And and literally, it was just this week, I realized one of the things that I want to make sure my kids fully understand is that what I do matters to God. You see, when, when I don't realize that what I do matters to God, then really anything goes. Then it becomes, well, what can I get away with? What what I do, if if no one sees it, then... It doesn't count. I can be a good person and lie as long as no one notices and still be a good person because no one noticed. Which is wrong. But how many of you have seen people who function that way? See, God says, everything you do, I see and I reward you for it. When I imagine... My kids growing up, I want them to know that the good they do, even the good that no one sees, is rewarded. And when we understand that, I, I think about choices that I make. Things I choose to think on, things I choose to say, things I choose to do. And I come to realize I am fully convinced that God sees and rewards my good behavior even when nobody else knows. That, God says, is how you please Him. And then it goes on to say, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward... It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. The Bible puts it this way He says, God is not mocked. We will reap what we sow. But David, in the Old Testament, he admits that he would look around and he would see the wicked seemingly prospering and he didn't understand. And then he he says it out loud. He says, look, I look and it, it, it appears as though the wicked are receiving blessings. He says, but then I considered eternity and I realized, wait a minute, God is not mocked. There is always a sowing and a reaping. There always is. God says we need to know that. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, the reason I was hoping somebody was going to go for an exchange is because I wanted to use that also as an example. So we're going to have to imagine that at least one person went for it and said, hey, I see what I want, I'm going to take that, you can go for the mystery, where you exchange and you get one gift and you exchange for another. God exchanges gifts, but in the great gift exchange of God, when He is the giver, we always know what we're going to get. He says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A couple of verses later, in verse 21, he says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, I want us to picture we all were born with sin. Born into a sin nature, if we want to describe it in terms of a of a white elephant exchange, we all got a toilet plunger. We all got a bum gift. Thank you, Adam. But God sent Jesus who says, He took our sin. And then he gave us his righteousness. That is the gift exchange that we are celebrating as we enter into Christmas season. The Bible says, I, we all had sin, and, but God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 8, 3 says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin for us, he condemned sin in the flesh. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. There, there is nothing you can do. That's why I didn't want you to go over here shaken. It's like, no, I'm going to figure this out on my own. I'm going to figure out how to get the right gift. But God says, no, I have the gift for you, and there's no way for you to earn it. Because I don't want one person to say, I did it in my power, and someone else to say, well, I tried, but I couldn't says, it is not a result of works so that no one can boast. So he has given righteousness for sin. He gives us right standing with him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your care on him for he cares for you. If you look in your lap and the gift that you have is anxiety and care, he says, give it to me and I will return, in return, care for you. It's interesting, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tell, is telling several parables in that whole chapter. And in verse 44, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then... In his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus continues and says, is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven and he says, the kingdom is heaven is like someone who discovers something of great value and realizes that what they have, everything they have given for that, is still a great deal. That's how God describes the kingdom of heaven. He says, it's like a person who stumbles upon a treasure buried in a piece of property. A treasure worth a fortune But he recognizes it's not mine unless I own this field. So he puts it back. He quick goes. He sells everything to buy that field. Then he comes back and says, it may have looked like I've given everything, but really I'm going to get so much more. God describes the kingdom of heaven as that gift exchange, as us finding something of greater value than what we have. We give God our everything, and He gives us what kind of gifts? Good gifts. Our God is, He is not. God is not the God of the white elephant gag gift. He's not up in heaven going, Oh, did you see? Oh, we, we really, yeah, oh my. Do you see what we gave Him? He, he sure got the, the short straw. Oh, no. He says it's like a man who finds a pearl that's worth more than all he has. And so he goes, he sells everything. Why? Because he knows it's a good deal. I'm going to give, but what I'm going to get is going to exceed in value what I have given. This is the great Exchange. Psalms chapter 30. This would be uh, my main or it's actually, excuse me, Isaiah, is. Psalm 30, last one before the favorite verse of the night. "Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. And my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. I'm reading that scripture because to me, I picture it as an exchange. God, I give you my wailing. You give me back the dancing. I exchange my sackcloth, which... If you're not familiar with the Old Testament, that's what they wore when they were in mourning, when someone died, when when they were grieving. And he says, and you give me back joy. I give you my silence, and you make my heart to sing. Isaiah chapter 61 says... The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, that is, to heal, to bring back together that the broken, those of broken heart, to proclaim freedom to captives. So what are they exchanging? A broken heart for a healed heart. Captivity For freedom, a release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We've talked about favor recently, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, they will call they will be called Oaks of righteousness. what is an oak of righteousness? a strong, firm pillar of righteousness. Where does that righteousness come from? God we already established he. Took our sinfulness, our shame, and he gave us his righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities they, that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. It's not a bad thing. He's saying you're going to have employees. People from afar are going to come and, and work for you and you will be called priests of the Lord and you will be named ministers of God you will feed on the wealth of nations and their riches in their riches you will boast instead of and now he gets back into the exchanges instead of your shame you will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace you will receive Your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, here it comes again, I will reward my people. I just want you to take a little test in your heart as I am sitting here describing all the wonderful things that God desires for you, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, yay? Or are you thinking, oh, if only. There's got to be a catch. I don't think that applies to me. I, if, if that's your thought, I, I want to encourage you To check your heart. God says, without faith it is impossible to please God. You must believe that He is and believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If if our expector can't make it over the line to expecting good from Him, we're going to have a problem. It continues on in in Hebrews and talks about the person who wavers, who doesn't expect consistency from the Lord. God says, let them not expect something. Verse 8, going back to, to Isaiah, he says, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offsprings among the people. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. So I just want, I, I want us to, to, to watch this thing because of course it's fun to watch something like that. And a few people got a few, well, a dollar each worth of stuff. But, more importantly, I want us to consider, when we look at our life, and we look at what we've been dealt, how do we see it? Do we look at our life and say, hey, God gave me a bum hand? Or do we say, I have something to exchange, God isn't finished yet? God looks down and he says, hey, if you're mourning, I want to exchange that. You realize, in order to exchange all of those things, at some point, they had it. But that was not God's ultimate plan for them. I'm going to close just looking at a few more things that God has exchanged. He took the iniquities of our heart and he gave us a new heart and a new spirit, I give you, in Ezekiel 36:26. He took our sins, as we mentioned before, in 2 Corinthians 5:21, and he gave us righteousness. He took a defeat 1 Peter 2:24 says he himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He gave us righteousness. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, that He endured the cross, taking our shame, despising shame. And He gave us His glory. He took the curse of the law, and He gave us God's blessing and the Holy Spirit, Galatians three thirteen. He took our wounds... And He healed us. 1 Peter 2, 24. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, Though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, through His poverty, might become rich. He took our poverty so that we could have abundance. He took our sorrows in Isaiah 53, and He gave us hope. He took our anxiety, and He gave us joy, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. He took rejection and fear, and then He adopted us as His children into His family. And greatest of all, He took the death that we deserved, and He gave us life. 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 God is in the gift exchange business. But the good news with God is that it isn't a white elephant exchange. With God, it is a good gift. What kind of gift does he give? A good gift. And I need, if if you're here today, and that's hard for you to hear, if there's a yabbit going on in your mind. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. He, uh, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Study the Word. Go in there. You are going to find that the Word says that He is giving good and perfect gifts. And the Bible says, describes who comes. The Bible says it is the enemy who comes to steal to kill and destroy. And when the Pharisees accused Jesus of being both the cause and the cure, the Pharisees said, oh, it's by the devil that he's casting out demons. Jesus said, that cannot be because a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. I want to encourage you that God is A God who loves us, who has good gifts for us. If you are here and you know that among other gifts that you have received from him, you have received the gift of eternal life. I want you to raise your hand. The gift of forgiveness from your sins. If you don't know that, then I want to make sure you have the opportunity to know tonight that you are right with God. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what, you might ask? Saved from the sin that had you separated from him. The sin that deserved the punishment of death. But we read today how he died without sin, not deserving death so that he could give us that righteousness. So he could say, I paid your debt. You no longer owe. If you're here today, I'd like every eye closed a moment. If you're here today and you want to know that you're forgiven, you want to know for sure that your sins are forgiven and that you're right with God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And together we're going to pray. I see that hand. I want everyone to pray together with that person who raised their hand. Just repeat after me. Dear God, I believe that you made me, that you sent Jesus who lived a perfect life, did not deserve to die, But he died on the cross to pay for my sin. Then he rose from the dead. I thank you that you love me. I accept your forgiveness. And I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.